Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles. My name is Adam Beck from the Smart Cities Council, uh, your host of the Chronicles, uh, and coming to you today uh, with episode six of the Chronicles. Uh, and I've got um, Amanda Newbury, our guest today, who's going to join us to talk uh, around a couple of topics that we've been covering in the first series of episodes. Uh, for those that have listened into the previous uh, episodes, we've been dealing with strategy and collaboration and standardisation, some of those pretty fundamental enablers of smart cities action. Um, so today's, uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit of a combination, um, drawing upon some earlier uh, conversation around collaboration. I'm going to talk to Amanda around um, uh, consultation and engagement and sort of digital things, but we're also going to um, feature and highlight and talk through a recent resource that we released at the Smart Cities Council that Amanda was leading called the uh, Civic Innovation Guidance Note. Um, so let's get uh, stuck into it. Amanda, thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me, Adam. I really appreciate it. Not a problem at all. Um, let's start by uh, getting your bio, Amanda. Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> well, when I'm not doing things with the Smart Cities Council, um, <laughs> I, uh, I run a firm called Articulus and we're an engagement, a community and stakeholder engagement and communications firm. Um, and we work across Australia and New Zealand. And really what that's about is giving um, a voice to members of the community and stakeholders, particularly around the area of um, policy um, projects uh, at, a, at a public level. So predominantly with um, local councils as well as state and federal government um, and also with the private sector, particularly um, private sector who's using public money. So it might be in the area of uh, transport or health um, or major infrastructure. Um, essentially, uh, we love to work on um, projects that make a difference. Um, so we call it work that matters. Um, and it's work that matters because um, it leads to a difference um, for our people, for the society that we live in. Well, I think that's a great job, work that matters and a great um, sort of mission. Um, I, must, uh, I must say you, you're in a, in a field that I'm sure has seen some... Um, some change and pivoting and re-pivoting over the years. Um, you know, I remember, oh dear, it must be, I don't know, 15 years ago maybe, yeah. I remember I remember that engagement, that the, the biggest thing that, that came at the time was um, uh, the internet and, you know, having a, having a website that you could, <laughs> you could engage. Yeah. Um, can I, before we get into the, the guidance note uh, on civic innovation, just want to sort of get your views on sort of how this oh. world of engaging with the community has been influenced by everything digital and smart over the, over the last little while. What's, uh, what's your sort of, you know, recap and review of how it's changed? I think there's been the most extraordinary amount of change over the past 10, 15 years. So um, where communities are engaged by, hey, here's a website, have a look at it, yeah. and predominantly download a brochure. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, that was pretty much it. And then people would have a, a display in a foyer somewhere and maybe a public meeting at some point. Um, that was essentially what community engagement was about. And generally we asked people, this is what you know, we're thinking of doing, give us your feedback. What do you think? Make mm. some comments. 
and people would collect comments and that was about it. Mm -hmm. Um, There might be some advertising. Uh, It was not at all dynamic. Um, There was very limited um, impact um, that communities could have and it's really changed to an environment which is um, really dynamic, very fast, a lot more people involved. Um, and so if I – there's so many things I could say, but <laughs> if I had to um, cluster some of those changes, um, just thinking um, rapidly here, one would be uh, – I think the largest change would be the breadth and the diversity of people who are involved Mm. in those civic conversations. So if you looked back, say, 10, 15 years ago, you had people who were, um, you know, sort of middle class and beyond. They were um, known people with a generally, you know, high level of um, education and information who got involved or people who had a lot of time. Mm. So people who were retired professionals were also engaged uh, heavily or those people where it was a project that was on their back doorstep. Um, And so it was quite a limited number of people who were engaged, Um, whereas now what we're seeing is really widespread engagement and diversity of people. Um, Technology has played a large part of that. It's not the only um, reason for the change, um, but it, it does play a large part because it makes it easier for people to get involved um, at any time of the day or night and without having to come to a damp, dark, cold um, city hall or community <laughs> hall on a weekend after you've gone to kids' sports facilities or at night time, you know, um, where you're going to have some cold sandwiches or if you're really lucky, a slice of pizza. Um, so now people can, you know, they can be in their jammies um, mm. in the middle of the night having really good conversations. Um, so that's, that's one of the changes, the diversity of people. Um, the other change is really um, the visual element of what people are seeing mm. um, and the interactivity. Uh, so we don't just rely on words, um, which really does reward people who have a, a good literacy, who are good readers, um, who like to learn and contribute by text. That is not, um, if you think about le- the best ways we will learn and contribute, that's not always the best way. And so now people can watch a video, listen to a podcast. They can play a game they can um, immerse themselves in a virtual world or use augmented reality to see the future overlaid over the top of what, you know, where they live today. Uh, they can um, rank things. They can uh, do more than just surveys. They can have live uh, conversations with people globally. We can cluster people um, for deep meaningful conversations on those really complex problems that we're facing um, right around the world. Uh, and, in fact, that's that's one of the benefits also of having that technology is that, although some people can also say that's a downside, but the conversations that we're having are not just with those people who are living beside a project but globally. Um, and so we're getting really different perspectives, especially on 
city um, making projects or or um, civic community problems, we're getting different perspectives where people might have faced uh, climate change, for example, adaptation in an area, we might be able to more quickly and more cost effectively bring in those experts uh, globally to learn from their successes and failures. And, and so, Amanda, with with this sort of change, well, yes, there's been change, but as um, as sort of the the tools and technologies and platforms and methodologies have evolved, and and you know, digital has, has been one of the evolutions there. Um, where where are we at with um, the, the the likes of um, you know? capacity and empowerment and the I'm sort of I'm transitioning a little bit here to what we're going to talk about with civic innovation but um, how has the role of the community potentially therefore changed rather than just being the sounding board and giving the feedback and expressing views um, you know this idea of empowerment and citizens leading, problem solving and things like that. What's uh, what, yeah. what's sort of the state of play there? How's that evolved? Um, so th- that's um, one of the most amazing uh, shifts that we've seen is that um, increasingly governments at, at all levels are seeing that community is not just a passive recipient of ideas where they can comment, but actually that um, community members can lead uh, those conversations. We are all, as members of communities, able to see great opportunities or problems that need to be addressed, and equally we can um, help to solve them. And then we might go to government and say, we need your assistance, um, but this is what we want to do. Um, we, uh, in, in the world of community engagement, we call that um, community-led or other people, um, there's lots of terms that are, that are used globally. Um, certainly there's a lot more in the realm of co-designing um, between um, governments and communities and stakeholders to co-design um, a, a problem or an answer or a solution, and that also is um, really exciting. But what it means is a mind shift for both governments and the private sector to reconceive what the community is about. So I think it's fair to say that in the past, uh, you know, and I sort of frame it up as 10 to 15 years and, and beyond, community might have been seen as a problem or an issue to deal with. Uh, often people talked about managing mm. um, managing people yeah, whereas yeah. um you know that's that's not helpful language all the time we, we, so, yeah that 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 um that old line of oh we need community buy-in you know otherwise we're gonna have trouble <laughs> yeah exactly and and now um so often uh, communities have really great ideas they have great ideas and with technology they're more easily able to share those um, I mean, there's a, there are downsides in the the quick the quick hit of a button, a, the like button. <laughs> yes, is problematic because we actually <laughs> we actually want people to think and contribute their great ideas, not necessarily just hit a like or dislike. Yeah. Um, so that would be one of the downsides, but I think the upsides far outweigh the downsides. 
the upsides of being able to um, to to bring a community together. In fact, one of my favourite. I've got many favourite stories, but one of them was the use of technology, which enabled um, a forum where people came together face-to-face after doing lots of digital engagement, but they came together to tackle the problems already identified by, it was about 10% of the population, and they came together to try to um, make solutions to those. And it was a representative sample, age and gender and location, but we used technology when we were in the room with people as well to try to get them to contribute without feeling embarrassed um, to do that. You know, it's easier to, to speak up if if you can do it um, sometimes in those forums using technology. But it wasn't until I realised there was this 93-year-old man and he was in a wheelchair and he was a bit teary-eyed because he said, he was worried about coming to a forum that he wouldn't be able to contribute because he wouldn't be able to speak up and be heard and he couldn't move around a room easily um, because he was quite a frail and he was so grateful and thankful that he'd been able to contribute to the future of his city even though at 93 years of age Mm. he recognised he Mm. was contributing to the future of his children and grandchildren but he, technology enabled him to be able to contribute just as much as any other person who didn't have a disability, who wasn't um, elderly um, and, and who, who wasn't powerful. Mm. And so I think there's some really amazing benefits um, that we've seen. And that's really about um, citizens being able to contribute to improving the cities in which they live. So just on, on, that's a great story. I love that story. Um, sort of there's no, there's no sort of um, potentially no age discrimination when it comes to sort of really smart and authentic digital engagement. So I, I ha- I'm the father of two, <laughs> two teenage citizens myself, um, 15 and 17. Um, they have a device in their hand for, uh, quite a substantial portion of their day. Um, how, how has, you must have seen, um, you know, things change with respect to our ability to more deeply engage with some of those, you know, harder age cohorts like like the younger generation. Um, and given they're quite a tech-savvy bunch, um, is is this a good thing? Is it, is it sort of a, a meaningful uh opportunity for us to engage a group that's been hard to engage in the past yeah see i think um i think a lot of people have been fearful about engaging with young people i love engaging with young people i think they are one of the easiest to to reach out to actually i think they're really easy to reach because they are congregating on platforms and, and so that that's a that is an easy thing to do. Um, in fact, we can always get young people through schools, through universities, through um, places of study and work. But this allows us to get to tribes, and um, rather than just locations. So we talk about communities of um, communities of interest, uh, as well as communities of place, but. Uh, but with young people, it's kind of easy to think of them as tribes. Mm. They have 
um, a similarity of purpose or goals or things that they love, um, they have the most extraordinary ideas because they haven't done things in the past and failed. And therefore they approach things with um, a genuine curiosity. Yeah. And a willingness to try things. And, and what? And what about? Sorry, to interrupt. What about a, a, a will, sort of an element of fearlessness? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And they don't ask, um, "How can we do it?" Uh, they actually ask, "Why can't we do it?" Like, mm. "Why not?" Instead of, there's not that. Um, there's not that restraint. They're more willing to put ideas out there. And in fact, uh, in one session with young people. They came up with this idea of if, if we want to, you know, if, if our population is increasing and we want to have more green space, then why don't we build, instead of just um, high-rises, why don't we build an underground high-rise? Because then, um, you know, we're going, we're getting the, the number of people that we need. We're still keeping the green space, but mm. why wouldn't we do that? Which seemed like an outrageous idea. Mm. Um, and a lot of uh, adults, a lot of old people looked at it and just started laughing and scoffing. But <laughs> in fact, last year, China built a high rise in a quarry, in yeah. an old quarry. Yeah. So they, they, they did it. Um, and, and that's why I think the benefit of engaging with young people, aside from the fact they ha do have a different perspective, but it's also the fact that they do inherit, they will run the cities that we're building. Mm. And so therefore, why shouldn't we ask young people? Yes, they might be more idealistic, but maybe that's what we need. Mm, absolutely. Um, and um, they also, sorry, one more thing. Yes. They also have this, they also have the technical skills to come up with the solutions themselves as well. And so that's another reason to engage quite heavily with young people um, because they actually could be developing some of the solutions from a data perspective or a technology perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let, let, let's pivot now to our, um, our sort of feature topic for this episode around um, civic innovation. This has been a, a, a good sort of primer that we've spoken about. Um, and really that little session we've just had, you know, really highlighting the fact that technology and digital transformation around engagement is, is looking like it's been effective in opening up um, the cohort range of, of both age and diversity, um, but it's also really providing more tools and opportunities for sort of a deeper level of engagement and, and therefore feedback and ideas generation. So... Uh, so let's talk about this um, this uh, resource that we released a couple of months ago, um, mm. a, uh, a guidance note on on civic innovation. And for our listeners that might be multitasking and in front and in front of a uh, an internet um, sort of search engine, you can sort of plug in civic innovation guidance note smart cities council and that'll sort of take you there. Um, so Amanda, talk us through firstly kind of the journey, the journey uh, that sort of you went on with the team um, in the committee uh, to sort of, you know, achieve this idea of, you know, partially defining what civic innovation is, giving a little bit of guidance around it. Talk through the process first and sort of why, why, why sort of the journey was taken. Yes. So um, I think the journey was taken because 
when there's a lot of conversations around a smart um, city, there's a lot of conversation around tech. Um, and, and rightly, there should be. Uh, there's also a lot of conversation around policy. Um, we, I think a number of people who are working in the space of smart cities were very keen to make sure that we really talked about this um, idea of, of the citizen. And so there's often been conversation that investment in smart cities needs to be citizen-centric. But beyond that concept, there was very little. And so we knew that um, we knew that people wanted to um, invest in smart cities because of the potential benefits for communities, but we knew that it was more than that. And so the uh, group of people who came together, um, and anyway, went out, and a range of people were then selected um, to, to come together to try to advance the guidance note, and more than that. Um, but the, certainly the guidance note was a pretty key part of it. And they really span from um, people who uh, work in uh, government, so both local and state governments, um, but also those who were involved in um, engagement, both in engagement technology, um, in circular economy. Uh, we've also got people who were developing um, platforms to assist um, with civic innovation or um, innovation at, at, at the local um, community level. And so we really brought together people who... Um, I guess had both uh, technical um, government uh, engagement and um, sort of this new economy uh, approach. And we brought them together to say, we better define it for a start. <laughs> we better define what civic it's innovation It's a good, is. good place to start, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of the first challenge. What is it? <laughs> what is it? Because there's lots of different language that's um, being used. So we needed to at least say to um, the world, this is what we believe civic innovation is. And so with a bunch of heads, um, uh, we worked to define it. And so, mm. so, okay, so let's, um, let's sort of start, start unpacking that for, for a moment. Um, the, the guidance note sort of really is centred around sort of these set of five principles. Now, you didn't have a lot to go on. It's not like you could have copied and pasted someone else's definition. There was there was a lot swirling around and, and nothing really yeah. really articulated that it existed already. Otherwise, we wouldn't have done this work. But um, no. the, the, the principles-based approach, that that fell out to be probably the best way to, to sort of tackle, tackle the sort of, you know, which part of the elephant do you start eating? Yes, exactly. Because actually one of the things that we noticed was the... Um, there's lots of components that contribute to this global movement of civic innovation. So there's lots of pieces to the pie, but the, the things that um, that come that cut across all of those specialised fields were these five guiding principles. Five guiding principles also will allow us to uh, allow us, being um, councils in particular, or cities, to track how they're going in terms of how are they enabling or supporting or embracing or recognising civic innovation. So it then can become a yardstick for progress and improvement. 
And so we can do that through a principle point approach. Okay, so let's um, so let, let, let's get a walkthrough from you on on the five. Mm. Um, now we don't have time to, of course, go word for word into everything. Uh, we want people to sort of take a oh, no. take a look at the, the document themselves. But uh, run us through the five principles and a, a little bit of thinking behind each one. Yeah, um, so there's five of them. The first one is civic led innovation, um, and that is really the fact that citizens have the technology um, at their fingertips to be able to innovate and solve community problems, those problems that are facing citizens. And they're not willing to just sit back and wait for governments to solve the problems themselves. We're seeing that right around the globe, that if councils can, um, or governments at any level, can provide data to citizens, they can actually solve really big problems that maybe governments can't do themselves for a whole range of reasons, um, but citizens can do it more quickly and more easily. So that's uh, the first principle, which is citizen-led innovation. The second one is citizen-centric planning and investment. This one, um, I think, really cuts to the heart of smart cities, which is that if we're going to invest, either governments or private sector invest um, in smart cities, that citizens need to be at the heart of it. It needs to actually improve the way our people live. Um, and that might uh, be around how we prioritise investment or how we measure that the success of smart cities. So that's the second one. Number three, active citizenship and democracies. So we know that democracies are thriving when people actually want to participate in cities' decision-making. Um, it should be that people are putting their hands up to say, how can I get involved? They might be playing an active role through technology, but they want to say, this is what I want for my city. This is what I think we should be prioritising. This is how I think budget should be spent. So that is very exciting. Um, number four, unlocking the knowledge of citizens. So, um, and that can be from stakeholders or businesses or communities. Um, but if we understand what citizens are doing, how they're using infrastructure, what they know, if we can um, harness that knowledge, then cities really can transform themselves from a knowledge-based perspective. This is also different from just grabbing the data of what they, they're using. So it goes beyond just grabbing real-time data of what they're doing now, but it might be um, getting them to think forward about what, um, what they know uh, now and might need to know. Um, and the last one really, uh, number five, is building the digital capacity and capability of citizens. Um, and I think as a group, we firmly um, would believe that digital connectivity is a basic human right. Um, if we don't enable citizens to have those platforms, we're really isolating them we're diminishing their capacity to thrive, whether that's through education or health or having access to citizen uh, to, to city services. And they fundamentally just have to have that digital connectivity. But more than that, 
we actually want to encourage cities to say, this is how I'm going to help you to grow that um, capability to engage effectively or to work or to live more effectively using that technology. Um, and that's where we really start to see um, cities making the most of that smart city um, capability. And so, um, and so when we look back across those five principles, Amanda, and thanks for sharing those, um, the, 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 benefit, the benefits and the value, um, on paper at least, become pretty evident because it's, um, it's touching on um, uh, building democracy and, and active citizenship. It's, it's helping sort of um, stimulate and accelerate sort of innovation being led by the community. Uh, and just going back to our, you know, our, our starting conversation around um, in, engagement and, you know, having, um, having uh, opportunities, um, you know, readily there in a variety of forms for, for people to be able to sort of feel part of processes and uh, feel like they can, they can certainly engage. So um, big conversation, obviously that's why the, the principles-based approach in, in writing the, the guidance note was important. Um, one thing that's... Um, if I can ask you a, a sort of a couple mm. of supplementary questions about that. So um, there's a lot of big words in there, you know, civic and innovation yeah. and democracy and transformation and digital. I, um, I would no doubt uh, imagine that some listeners or others are sort of at times, you know, sceptical around the idea of digital engagement versus sort of getting in the room and eyeballing people. Um, where, I mean... Th th there's not necessarily a an advocacy position here that you know you you got to go digital or go home. Um, yeah. There's no there's no sort of silver bullet, and just doing digital may not necessarily be healthy. But that that sort of balance between sort of analog and digital in in sort of building this this idea of civic innovation um, that's important as well, isn't it? Sort of getting getting a bit of a a, a good meaningful balance there. I think a balance is really important, actually. Um, so I'm currently uh, doing a piece of research to look at the profession as to what, what, where people are spending um, their engagement um, budgets and where they're spending their time. Um, that, and the results of that aren't out yet. We've powered through it. But um, anecdotally, I do know that um, there is a benefit and a need for both. And so um, there are things that you can do when you bring people face-to-face -face that are really exciting. You can form relationships. You can have, you can read someone's body language. You can reach out and hug them. You can do all of those mm, things. Mm. You can move together. The bump factor of being face-to-face -face is really, really powerful. Um, but that alone is not always the answer. Because actually there's a whole lot of stuff around accessibility that, that digital technology does really well. Um, but there's also the piece around content. So content, um, so the, the guts of what you want to talk about, the problems that you want to solve, the opportunities that you want to latch hold of, but you need to give people some level of content. And so that's the beauty of using technology. Um, so if we can provide a content to people, information, data to people that they can manipulate themselves, they can work through, they can understand, they can look at, they can visualise, then it might make for a better conversation 
And so the two, I think, um, it's going to be a long time till we would ever see people go just digital and no face-to-face. Mm. Um, I think face-to-face builds relationships really, really well. Mm. It's a really powerful tool. And, in fact, in some engagements that I've done on the topic of open data policy making, um, even the technology um, people, when brought together, um, asked for continued face-to-face engagement rather than just online. Yeah. And so, and these are guys and girls where you think these are these are tech heads. They're mm. going to want to use as much digital and as much technology as we can use, but they really highly value that. So I think you're right. It's a balance. Um, the trick is knowing when to use it and for what purpose. So if my purpose is to build relationships, is if my purpose is to do a comparative analysis, which one do I use? Which tools do I use, and in what order? Yeah. Um, and, and on use uh, and what tools do you use, just in terms of our, our listeners using this document or potentially sort of uh, seeking to apply it. So we've got, um, we've got something through a set of principles now that, that starts to bring some articulation to the idea of civic innovation. If, um, you know, if, if I'm sort of an economic development officer, manager, you know, in a local authority somewhere, in a municipality, you know, what do I now do with this document? What uh, What is sort of the, the, the next few moves in terms of trying to, you know, um, I suppose, um, realise this idea of civic innovation in my community? How might I use this document? Yeah. Um, there's a, a few ways. Part of it is to open up the conversation um, internally in your own organisation to say, do we even know, are we aware of these terms? Um, do we have a starting point for even talking about advancing civic innovation? Do we have a mindset that would embrace um, community members and seeing them as a benefit for innovation? So that's really a starting point. That's around building capacity. Um Soon, um, I think early this year, we're planning to release a maturity model which will help organisations to um, track their progression against those five um, principles and there'll be a number of indicators that will help people to see their journey um, and that might start at some, from progressive to excelling. That's really exciting. There's a whole lot of work to be done there. But we do know that um, some wonderful government organisations have put their hand up to help um, to build that and to, to test some of that. Um, and the next thing is really embracing community members and bringing them on that journey of civic innovation. Um, there's sort of three quick um, next steps that people can take away. I, I would, um, and there's a lot more in the document, I'd encourage people to um, download it, um, read it, understand some of the terminology that's in there and then, um, you know, it's short and sharp but it's actually quite rich in terms of the content. So there's quite a, um, some of those words are quite laden and it's useful to unpack it um, maybe at the quiet time and start the year. Absolutely. Um, look, Amanda, we, um, we're almost at time and we, we've gone through a lot in 
in about 35 minutes. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for sharing with our listeners. Um, a couple of things there. Firstly, of course, um, the, the sort of contents and aspiration of what, uh, what's been pulled together in that guidance note for civic innovation uh, that's now accessible. Um, but also, you know, our, our primer conversation there around um, a bit of the journey around engaging with communities and how technology and data is sort of enabling, you know, some, some different outcomes that we weren't able to realise back in the old analogue days. Very much some, some good sort of words of wisdom there about good balance of analogue and digital and neither will sort of, um, you know, re replace the other. Um, a final question for you, actually. Um, mm. now you're, you're in the business of, of, of people. Um, what, what is sort of exciting you in the coming year? What are you, what are you keeping an eye on? Um, what, what's your sort of pet interest that you're, you're sort of hanging around and working around mm. these days? Oh, my gosh. That's, um, I'm, I'm actually sitting in my office. Uh, our walls are all paintable walls and they're covered. They're <laughs> covered in the <laughs> um, We've been scrawling and graffitiing, um, <laughs> which is quite overwhelming to look at it. Um, there are so many exciting things afoot. I think part of it is certainly evaluation, um, applying some rigour to doing community engagement. I think mm -hmm. that's, we know that that is um, critically important. Um, the ability to, I think, uh, engage with people um, in a way that's really interesting and exciting, uh, that makes people want to be involved. We, we know that if you get that right, you can get enormous numbers of people, um, enormous numbers beyond what would be considered statistically a representative sample <laughs> where you're looking at sort of 10% of the population. We know that there's a number of um, councils around Australia and New Zealand who are able to do that. Um, that's exciting. I think creativity is, is really great. Creativity coupled with technology and data enables people not only to have access, but to get excited about solving cities' problems or making the most of the opportunities. And I think um, if we get beyond the platforms and, you know, the detail, it is fundamentally that, is that communities understand um, and have confidence in the fact that we actually can solve the huge problems that we might be facing um, and and do that collaboratively with people um, and build strong communities. I fundamentally believe that's where we're at now. Um, it, it's a world where we're embracing the ability to change our own destiny. Well, if, I, if we can sort of build that greater level of of sort of, you know, active citizenship in, in certainly a time where there's a lot of challenges and there's a lot of, you know, problems that are evident. There's, there's very challenging political times as well. I think, um, I think that's, that, that's a good outcome. And I, I would certainly share your excitement there. Amanda Newbury, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Smart Cities Chronicles. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Adam. It's been lovely. Time has flown. 
It has, it has. Uh, and for our listeners, uh, a reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast through those uh, through those uh, channels that we that we have uh, with uh, Apple iTunes podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, and also Spotify. Whatever your uh, whatever your poison is, uh, feel free to select those. Uh, we look forward to uh, bringing you some future episodes that dig into different areas around engagement and collaboration, civic innovation. Uh, but for now, it's been a pleasure to chat with Amanda Newbury, uh, MD and founder of Articulus uh, in the business of people and communications and all those exciting, challenging things. Uh, and until our next episode, everyone keep well. Thank you.